0: Open your Bibles to Ephesians 5 please. We are working our way through a part of Ephesians 4 and 5 and 6 as we consider some things on the family. Originally this series was going to go from Mother's Day until next Sunday. That was my plan but uh, I'll I'll be real spiritual and say God got in the way of my plan. So it's going to be extended a couple more messages past uh, when I had planned and uh, it's just been such a rich time. And even this week I, pre- I was prepared to talk about three different topics and from three different verses, and, and it just uh, didn't work out that way. Uh, this last week, I went to Salem, Oregon to uh, go to uh, an ordination examination, which is the first part. Uh, churches invite uh, pastors uh, and laymen from, from their sister churches to come and examine a man to see if he is doctrinally sound, and if the uh, council recommends ordination, then the church actually ordains a young man. And so I went down to Salem, Oregon for that. And on the way home, I stopped in Woodland, uh, Washington to get gas and to uh, get some fuel for me. And I was feeling like a burger. So I looked around and I thought, I'm not just going to go to one of the places I always go to. I'll go to something different. And there's a place there called Burgerville. OK, there's a chain, I think, in the Portland area, maybe Salem, too, called Burgerville. And so I thought, I'm going to go to Burgerville, you know, burger. That's what I want. <laughs> they should have called it Slow Burger. <laughs> it was good, but it was very slow. I was behind one person in line, and I think I waited for five minutes before my order was taken. Then several times while I was standing in line, you know, I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm, you know, it's eight o'clock at night, and I haven't got that much sleep the last two nights, and I've driven 300, 400 miles, and and so, you know, I'm feeling pretty patient and kind by then. <laughs> Standing there. You know, when you, you know, when you're kind of looking around. And as I looked down, I realized it said, First Baptist Church of Ferndale on my shirt. <laughs> and I was suddenly thankful I hadn't said anything I'd been thinking about. And so I just stood patiently and kept my mouth shut and waited and waited and took their kind apologies for being so slow. You know, it occurred to me, maybe we should issue those shirts to everybody in the church. (laughs) Yesterday I was wearing one as well, and, and more and more I'm doing that on purpose uh, for other people so it opens up a little conversation but but it also makes that people look at it you know and right away in their mind they know I'm associated with the church now they don't know I'm the pastor uh, you know of course when you're wearing a white long sleeve shirt with a church logo and a pair of black pants and you got gray hair and you're about 50 years old standing in a restaurant it's a pretty good chance you're the pastor of that church <laughs> but you know what It makes me be gooder. It does. And you know what? That's a good thing. And as we read Ephesians chapter 5 today, we're going to read something that ought to make you be gooder too. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Somebody in your life knows you're a child of God. You don't have a shirt that says, I'm a child of God. But somebody knows you're a child of God. And he says, Look, you should act like a child of God. He says it several times in this passage. We're just going to consider the first two verses today. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also have loved us, has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Do you see that? He's saying, you know, if you call yourself a Christian, this stuff doesn't fit. It's like wearing the First Baptist logo sign and then giving somebody a little piece of your mind that you can't afford to lose because your burger's slow. Walk in love. Be imitators of God as dear children. I've given little summary words to each of these principles as we've gone through them. And the one for verse one and two today is this Successful families are built on charity. Now, the word charity to us today generally means, you know, giving somebody something when they're in need. In the King James Version of the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter, as we called it uses the word charity. Charity is kind, charity. Charity is an old word for love. And and as I thought about that, that's really a great word, not only for what we need to do today, but also when you are giving something to someone who needs it, you are extending love to them. The problem with our English word love today is that love carries the baggage of its current usage, which means warm, affectionate feelings. And that is not what God means when He says we should walk in love. What God is calling us to do has nothing to do with warm, affectionate feelings. I'm reminded of Tim the Toolman Taylor who said, Christmas is not about being with the people you love, it's about being with your family. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about that either, where you really dislike people and but you just grit your teeth and get along. No. But our human normal concept of love is, well, I have feelings for you, so I'm going to do something nice for you. That is not what God is talking about when he's talking about love. And I want us to understand that a little bit better today. He actually tells us to imitate two people or to follow the example of two people, God or God the Father and Christ, the Son of God. First of all, he says, be imitators of God as dear children. So, we want to look at God's example of love. And the first example of love that God gives us is this God loves his enemies. God loves his enemies. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, I read the verse that said, God is angry with the wicked every day. Can God be angry and still act in love? I would submit to you, yes, he can. God loves his enemies. He gives them the common blessings of life. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Can you imagine what it would be like tomorrow if you got up And, you know, frankly, living up on the hill here in Ferndale, I've found that Ferndale's climate is different from Seattle. It's not uncommon, especially in the winter, for me to look out and see kind of a ring of clouds that kind of extends over to uh, Mount Baker and around here. And I can look down there and see black clouds. And it's the sun is shining beautifully. I hear the the Seattle uh, weather report and they say it's raining today. And I go, man, I'm living in God's country right here. Can you imagine if God did that just on the righteous and the unrighteous? If you got up at your house and boy, there was a shaft of sunlight, and right next door it was just raining on those people. Or if you went out to take a breath and the people next door were gasping for air, I would submit to you that God is angry with the wicked every day, but he still acts in love. And when we go to 1 Corinthians 13, we find out that the first component of love is patience. God loves his enemies. One of the chief chief ways that God shows love to his enemies is this. He draws people toward salvation. No one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him. The only way people can come to faith in Christ is as God pulls them in and he works circumstances in their life and he sends preachers along, you know, people like you to share the truth and give a witness and all of these things he orchestrates so people will come to Christ. That is the ultimate act of love toward people who don't believe. He draws people toward salvation. God loves his enemies. What do you dream of doing to your enemies? Don't raise your hand. Don't tell me. Let's bring it a little closer to home into to our family series. What do you long to do to your family members who treat you poorly? Let's make it even a little bit more personal. Let's look back on last week. What did you do? to the person who didn't love you as much as you thought you should be loved. Because God in heaven looks down and is waiting for people to worship him. He doesn't get the love he really deserves. Whether or not you deserve it is up for question. But even so, did you act like God? That is what we are supposed to be imitating I was not happy to have the logo shirt on at that moment this week. I wasn't, because I was, I, I'm just thinking, come on. I usually don't say that kind of thing. and I probably still wouldn't have then, but it's kind of a struggle for me. God loves his enemies. Whether, you know, sometimes when I'm talking to people about a relationship that's struggling we talk about acting in love toward them. Well, you know, and I just go to this passage. Are they your enemy or your friend? Because either way, God wants you to love them. God gives us an example of loving our enemies. Secondly, the example of God's love is this. God loves his wayward children. God loves his wayward children. Do not despise the chastening or disciplining Of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges or whips or uses corporal punishment on every son whom he receives. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they, the human fathers, for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, the heavenly father, chastens us for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Do you know why God disciplines you when you get away from him? Because he knows that the wages of sin is death. Would a loving God look down from heaven at one of his children and say, my, that fellow is about to really mess up his whole life? Too bad. It's his choice. I mean, that would be like a human parent saying, Oh, oh, my child's gonna run in the street. Oh, I hope he doesn't get hit. You would look at that parent and say, You don't deserve to have children, buddy. God, the Heavenly Father, loves his children so much that He disciplines us when we get away from righteousness. God knows that sin is tears down but righteousness builds up so he refuses to let you go on your rebellious way he does whatever he must to keep you close to himself this needs to go a long way toward helping us to understand that unconditional love does not mean ignoring faults and weaknesses There are folks in families who say, oh, we just got to love them, we just got to love them, we just got to love them as though we got to act in a warm, fuzzy way toward anybody no matter what they do. And I would submit to you that you are not godly if that's how you act. Because God will not let us go on in our sin. And we should not do that for our own children. Parents, are you so committed to your children that you do not give up acting in love when they act in hateful rebellion? Does God ever let go of you? No. Children, children, those of you who are still under the care of a parent, are you so committed to living like a child of God that you forgive and rebuild relationship with your brothers and sisters? When they wrong you. Brothers and sisters hurt each other. There's no doubt about that. The question is, are you as a sibling going to act like God who says, I'm not going to give up. I am going to keep working here. Do you love one another so much that you will confront when there is sin or when there is wrongdoing or when there is hurt? Will you come and say, there's a problem. We've got to resolve this. God does not let his wayward children go. He does not give up on them. He doesn't throw up his hands and go on his way. God loves his wayward children. God also loves his faithful children. God loves his faith. You know, we don't talk about this enough. Listen to Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks find, and to him who knocks it will be open. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, he will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Do you know what? When you are walking in the Spirit by your consistent obedient choices, that God is up in heaven saying, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And when you offer up that prayer, he just says, boy, it would be my privilege to help you out. One of the reasons I went to this ordination in Salem, Oregon, which was a little far away to go for an ordination exam, but my son called me up a few weeks ago. He says, are you going to so-and-so's ordination? I said, if you're going, I'm going It didn't take me long to decide. My son lives 14 hours away. And if I only have to drive six hours to see him and share some fellowship and sit next to him while he asks questions in ordination, no-brainer. I love my son because he is living in righteousness. And he's not perfect, but I'm just telling you, if, if he called me up and says he needed something, I would do whatever I could to help him out. Now, there have been times in his life and times in the other lives when I'd say, "Uh, tough, tough, you're wayward now. I'm going to give you some tough love. (laughs) But this ain't one of those times. You know, when you are living righteously and you look up to heaven and say, God, I need some help. He says, man, I just can't wait to help you. He loves that. He He is so happy and joyful over your righteous life. What a great thing. The question I want to ask all of us as parents is do we see the good and recognize it enough in our kids? When I was in college, I was in different singing groups and stuff like that, and our our teachers were always really holding out for excellence, you know, really pushing us hard. And one of our teachers, though, when we produced excellence, basically had this attitude well, it's about time. Oh, man, that just motivated me to work harder, you know? <laughs> I was with somebody yesterday talking about putting a, putting, a, putting a shoe in somebody's behind, and their rump was the word. Boy, that's, that's what I felt like doing. Come on! <laughs> you know what? But I'm that way as a parent. My kids do really good, and I'm, well, it's about time. Oh, Mom and Dad, if your kids are still at home, Yes, rebuke the wrong. Don't ever stop doing that. But praise the good. Be appreciative of your kids when they do right. As seldom as it may happen, recognize it. And maybe it'll happen more often. We are to imitate God in our love, and we are also to imitate Christ. How is Christ's example of love different from God's? Well, certainly Jesus and the Father are one, and so I don't mean to make them totally separate, but there are some different features to it. And the, the first one in Christ is this Christ's love was primary. What do I mean by primary? I mean it came first. We love Him because He first loved us. Human love is 50 50. I'll meet you halfway. Stand up here, brother. I, I got I got a gift for you. If you'll come halfway, I'll give it to you. <laughs> okay. There. Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but what if he said, uh uh-uh, uh, you come down here? What if I said, I got something for you, come on, follow me. Come on, come way over here. Okay? Human love's fifty fifty. Wife gets, uh, wife gets new carpet. Husband gets, I don't know what's worth new carpet. New set of tools. I don't know. He gets the payments. (laughs) There, Happy Father's Day. Here's a bill. Yeah. (laughs) We have this negotiation thing. You know, somebody somebody gets some extra income. They want to spend it their way, and the other person says, "Well, what about me?" Now, now, I understand there's room to discuss how you're going to spend money. I understand that. But if your love is 50-50, it's human love, not godly love. If your love is 50-50 with your children, it's human love, not godly love. Jesus didn't stand at the cross and say, if you come halfway, I'll go halfway. Jesus on the cross giving his lifeblood for us, saying, Father, forgive them. That is a hundred percent, a hundred percent kind of love. I'm going to give all. Human love is reciprocal. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. If you do something nice for me, I'll do something nice for you. Or, I'm going to do something nice because I hope it will make you do something nice for me. That is human love, not godly love. Listen to Matthew 5. If you love those who love you, you know, the 50 50, the reciprocal thing, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Jesus was, you know, the tax collectors in that day, as m- most of you know from your Bible study, they, they were the disgusting people to the, you know, they were like the, the working for the foreign oppressors who were ruling Israel. But he said, even those guys talk to each other. What's the big deal? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. You walk down the street and you say hi to your friends, but when you see somebody you don't know, you look away. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Boy, don't you love that verse? Don't you want to meditate on that verse? Be perfect. Next time you're tempted to say nobody's perfect, why don't you say this? Everybody needs to be perfect. Nobody's perfect is an excuse for a half-baked effort. Christ's love was primary. It reached out. It loved us. It was not waiting for us to do something righteous first. He reached out and loved us. Secondly, Christ's love was complete. He could not give any more than he gave. Listen to Philippians 2. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery or something to be clung on to like a prized possession, to be equal with God but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form that is the outward form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Can you picture this in your mind? I mean, I know that God is present with us, but we normally think of God in heaven up above. So think of the farthest out place you can. and There is the throne of God, and there is Jesus being worshipped by the believers of the Old Testament era as they would come to worship. He's receiving worship like God receives worship. He has a glorious appearance, so glorious that when Moses just saw the afterglow going by in the cleft of the rock that his face shined. And and there he is in heaven in all of that glory. And at a point in time, he says, It's time for me to go down and save those human beings who are rebelliously sinning against me. And so, what does he do? He takes on a human body and not a mature adult human body, he comes like a baby. And he grows up and even comes to a point as a 12-year-old where he thinks he's going to start doing God's work. And, and then his parents say, you obey us. And, the, and he obeys them. He was subject to them. The creator of the universe, subject to his parents. And he goes on about his life all the way to the cross where he dies. He experiences death. The creator of life, the one who breathed the breath of life into mankind, experiences death for us. That's how complete his love was. Nothing held back. Nothing held back. That sounds a little bit different than, I bring home the paycheck, isn't that enough? I work hard all day. I deserve to rest when I come home at night. If you care so much, you take care of it. Jesus love was complete. He gave himself. Hey, I'm not standing here preaching this today to say it's easy to do. But when God says be perfect, he says that's the standard, that's the goal, that's where we're headed. Christ's love was complete. There's, a, there's an awesome third point here. Christ's love was an act of worship to God. Look at verse 2 of Ephesians 5. This is incredible. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and he has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma the niv uses the word fragrant this is clearly an allusion to the old testament sacrifices and they would burn the fat and the smoke would go up to heaven and god describes that as a sweet smelling sacrifice this phrase is only used Uh, and a couple of similar phrases is only used three times in the whole New Testament. And it clearly indicates that our actions can result in worship to God. Jesus' action of laying down his life caused God in heaven to smell a sweet smell, a fragrant smell, a desirable smell. Now when I think of, of, of burning the fat, in an Old Testament sacrifice, I think of the sweet smell that's going to be coming off my grill when I put that piece of prime rib roast on the rotisserie today, and as it turns on the rotisserie, and those seasonings that I put on there, there's going to come smoke off of that, and it smells sweet. <laughs> okay, Now, I know God is much greater than our capabilities of thinking but when that fat would burn in the Old Testament and that smell would go up there, and God in heaven, and obviously the sweetness to him was much more than a physical sweetness. It was, isn't that great? My children are worshiping me. And that just just smelled good to him. And God says we have the opportunity to do that today. In 2 Corinthians 2.15, we are to God the fragrance, same word, of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. This is in the context of sharing the gospel. He says, when we go out and share the gospel and witness to what God has done, we are a sweet fragrance to God. Up in heaven, he's going, yeah, that's great. Boy, I just love the smell of of witnessing on Monday morning. What a great thing. There's another time when this word is used. Philippians 4, Indeed I have all and I abound. I am full having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. A sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God. That's talking about giving an offering. The Apostle Paul is in Rome and the Philippian Christians gave an offering to support him. And he says, your offering to support the ministry here is a sweet-smelling aroma to God. It's a fragrant offering to God. And here in in Ephesians, the sweet-smelling offering is connected with showing love, walking in love like Christ did. Do you realize, Christian, that your loving actions, those behaviors done in the power of God for the good of others are not just human kindness but acts of worship to almighty god when you go out and do something nice for your family members today on purpose as god prompts you to do that god is up in heaven going "Boy, that smells good he's pleased he's blessed The worship we give here on Sunday morning is God ordained and it is wonderful to participate in, but everything we do can be an act of worship to God. You can stand in line at Burgerville and worship God by the way you stand there. How do I know that? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's what that verse means. It means your life can be an act of worship to God. I'm not sure I was worshiping while I was standing there, being honest with you. I was struggling to worship. And that's part of the deal too, you know? Because sometimes you you know what you should be doing, and you got to just get a hold of yourself and say, be good. And that very act of self-control to produce righteousness in your life is an act of worship. That blesses God. Dads, your kids probably won't appreciate, not fully, your sacrifices for them until they are dads. But God is happy to see your giving actions. Moms, that little baby is so beautiful, but will test your patience to the maximum. And that baby will never know how great your kindness is, but God knows. Kids, children, there will be times when your parents are unreasonable and they might not say, thank you for your kindness. But God will say thank you to you someday. Listen to this. For no other foundation can one lay other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. One of the things that I know I've said to you in previous weeks is that your home is one of the greatest sources of trial and challenge that God will bring into your life, may I also say that your home is one of the greatest places from which you can earn a reward before God himself. Our homes ought to be a primary place of worship because we spend so much time there. You know, all the hours you spend at home, if you were living in a worshipful way, what a great... What a great reward you will be earning in heaven someday. We have so many opportunities to act like Jesus in challenging circumstances. I like to watch the Food Network, learn how to cook, learn how to cook better, learn how to cook new things. And one of the things that they have on there kind of regularly is is, uh, they go and videotape a competition for barbecue you know they go to some place in the country well a couple weeks ago they were showing one and one of the winners was from olympia washington and they own a barbecue restaurant in olympia washington and i thought next time i drive by olympia washington i am planning a stop and so when i knew i was going to salem this week i planned my eating schedule so that and my driving the best I could, and I got there at three o'clock in the afternoon, not having had lunch and not planning to have dinner, and I got the one-pound plate. <laughs> oh, baby. No, I did not eat it all. I saved some for my son, who is equally uh, as affectionate toward barbecue as I am. While I was on my way, I didn't know where it was. I just knew it was an Olympia, so I 4 one would it, and you know, and where are you? Well, you take Highway 101 off, and then you just the exit with the sign that says food. It's just right there. I thought, great. Sounded a little fuzzy. Sounded like a teenager. I thought, oh, buddy. So I started driving. I drive a little ways, and I think, I don't see a barbecue restaurant. I don't see a sign that says food next exit. So I called again. Well, you got to go till Highway 101 and Highway 8 splits. I drive 16 miles off of I-5 to get to the barbecue restaurant and i did it and i'd do it again (laughs) why is it so easy to drive sixteen miles out of the way to get a good barbecue dinner and so hard to put down the project we're working on and play catch with a kid and I know whereof I speak. Men, this is Father's Day. Our families need our godly love. They need us to lay down our life like Christ laid down his life. Ladies, mother's love won't carry you through all the way. I will definitely grant you that women have a more compassionate nature to them toward children in the great main of things. No doubt, it won't carry you all the way. You've got to have the love of Christ in you and coming out through you. Kids, I know your parents talk to you about obedience. I want to talk to you about something greater than that. You need to lay down your life for your family, just like Jesus did. He said, if anybody's going to follow me, let him take up his cross. Let him lay down his life and take up his cross. When your parents ask you to obey, that's a sacrifice. There's no doubt. And it's a hard one at times. I remember my parents weren't always the wonderful, sweet, perfect people they are now. But what is happening is God is asking you to lay down your life just like Christ did. May God help us live out His love every day in our families. Heavenly Father, build my love for my family. Help me to be a better example of having time and effort, and care for my family. And cause the men in our church to be the same. Cause them to rise up and and deny themselves and to love their families in a godly way. Surely, Father, this kind of love is what leadership is about, and it is the basis of leadership. May it be true in in our men. May this church be a place that holds up that kind of love as the example. And then, Father, not just for the men, but for, for the wives, for the, for the mothers, for the children, for everybody. May we seek to imitate God. May we take seriously the fact that your name is written on our forehead and people know that. And we need to love like you and to love like Jesus. Make it true, Father. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.